Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by David Woolman. Just a uh, just a two man show today. Devin Hassan feeling a little under the weather, so um, yeah, David, you and I are uh, you and I are here, and uh, man, this is the uh, this is the last Friday that you'll have without a uh, a Texas high school football game to cover. How uh, how fired up are you right now, man? Uh- the fire has been burning up since Sunday, since the NFL season started. Mm-hmm. But now, but now, like to realize that it's actually going to happen in a week from now. Like the scrimmages that are taking place this week, the, mm-hmm. the regular season starts next week. I mean, who would have thought like three or four months ago this would even happen? I know there was some like a nice sense of uh, a calming sense of normalcy on Sunday to have football back in our lives. Football just kind of snuck up on me this year because I've been so invested in the NBA playoffs, mm-hmm. and it didn't even really dawn on me until like last week around like Tuesday or Wednesday that oh yeah the NFL's coming back. But it was it was nice to just kind of sit down on a Sunday, just throw on CBS, watch the Pats, and just it felt yeah there was a nice sense of normalcy to it all. And then next week we get to you know. Obviously, have that right back with a with in a work capacity with uh, with our five a six a season starting up. Then have you um have you given any thought to what game you're going to cover to begin the season? Yes, uh, the game that I'm going to be covering to start the season is going to be. Uh Capel at Mesquite right there. Okay. Yeah, good game to start the year for Capel. I was kind of going back and forth because forever it's always been the Tom Landry classic that I've kicked my season off with. And going out to Eagle Stadium mm-hmm. out in Allen to watch, you know, whatever whatever matchup they've got on the dock to begin their season. But with, you know, I got a little bit more on my plate this year. I've got a few more, a few more schools that I'm covering. So um, I might actually end up out at, uh, out at McKinney ISD Stadium for a couple games. I was thinking maybe Thursday, see McKinney Boyd play Flower Mound. And then on Friday, McKinney plays Plano in the first game of the Todd Ford era. So, um, and then, I mean, Allen has games against like Atascacita and Cedar Hill the following week. So, some pretty high-profile matchups to check out there. But no yeah, it's it's almost here, man. It is right around the corner. And as um, over the past few weeks, we've been uh, you know kind of building anticipation for that with our um, with our ongoing high school football season preview. We've um, you know if you haven't been keeping track, we've um, you know we've come up with twenty questions to help preview the season. We've been discussing, I guess, uh, what four questions each week we have knocked out 12 so we are down to i guess the penultimate episode of yep. our of our uh, season preview so we got four more questions so let's just dive right into them david let's um let's start and talk one of the uh, one of the most exciting aspects of high school sports the rivalry game just the uh, you know and who knows obviously the atmosphere might make those look a little bit different this year but nevertheless the rivalry games are the ones that really tend to kind of galvanize community and really uh, they just you can tell that those weeks around the practice facility they just it means a little bit more to the kids when you have something at stake against your heated rivals so let's um let's talk about some rivalry games of note some sure. rivalry games which rivalry games do we think will have a little bit of extra heat to them this season oh well there's there's a lot of them this year i mean i'm i I have filled out like, you know, one complete page right here, of, you know, of uh, rivalry games right there. And um, the the one that stuck out to me is um, 
is uh, Frisco Lone Star against Frisco Independence. Okay, that's a good I one. Mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, look at uh, you know Lone Star. They've already been in a state championship game. They mm-hmm. made it all the way to the semifinals last year. I mean, obviously no Marvin Mims this year, but they still yeah. have Rangel. They still have you know. A, Pretty good quartet of uh, people coming back, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously Frisco Independence—they're coming off one of their, their probably their best season in program history right there. And you know Braylon Bax, Braxton still uh, still coming back at quarterback, yep. and you know they still got a lot of targets at wide receiver. Um, yes, now yeah, Lone Star Independence is a really good one. Lone Stars—they've been kind of the bell cow of the Frisco ISD football scene for some time, and Independence has been right kind of in that, looking to basically kind of make that leap. They've been right in that next tier, right below them, looking for that kind of that signature performance to. Put them on the level with a uh, with a lone stars so yeah maybe this is maybe braylon braxton's got enough in the tank to uh, to get him over the hump this year that's certainly going to be a game that uh you know that uh that the uh, the knights have uh, have circled for sure and that game's october 16th at the ford center mm-hmm. one of actually both of mine were um i'm actually not going to be in town for uh, for either of these games spoiler alert i'm actually going to be out of town the week of thanksgiving so just letting you know that in advance okay heads up heads up <laughs> um so yes there's um there's going to be games though on november 27th you know right during the thanksgiving break Actually, the unique wrinkle is that a lot of these games are going to take place during the afternoon because you know, yeah. I mean, you're not married to you know your school schedule and whatnot. So yeah, a lot of teams have games scheduled that Friday at two o'clock in the afternoon, mm-hmm. um, including the McKinney ISD Crosstown Showdown. Obviously, a very very big game out McKinney ways between Boyd and McKinney. And yeah, that's um you just you look at kind of what that rivalry has meant in recent years. Like for the longest time, I mean, it was just death taxes and Boyd just you know just laying waste to. McKinney, a very, very lopsided rivalry, at least on the football field. You know, McKinney had its say in some other sports, but at least on the football field, Boyd controlled that rivalry for so long. And then over the last three years, kind of coupled with the last year of Jeff Smith's tenure at McKinney, you've noticed the Lions have really kind of turned the corner as far as um, just offering a more, a more of a competitive fight in these district games. They've, I mean, they qualified for the playoffs the last three seasons. And you've, yeah, I mean, you've been able to see that competitiveness bear out in that game against Boyd. Um, you know, last season, I believe they've won the last two under uh, under Marcus Shaper since he came aboard. How about that last game of the regular season exactly. right there where they had, they, not only had, they got a field goal out there, they have to get, um, what was it, Plano, the Plano game? It was, yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's also been nice that the way the schedule's worked out to where it's been on that last week of the season. So there's usually something at stake you know, relative to the playoff picture. And then last year, yes, it was McKinney walking off them. I think it was a walk-off or whatever, but it was a, a game-winning field goal by Seth Cox. I believe it, the score was only like 10-7 to 7 or yeah, something like that. Yeah, very low-scoring game. But nevertheless, that though coupled with Plano losing to Prosper that night that clinched a playoff berth for McKinney so um, mm-hmm. you know usually the proximity of the game helps as far as the stakes go in this case this year it's the second to last week of the season so you know there's most likely going to be I mean if the, if that district 568 if it pans out the way that you know I think most think where you're going to have Allen and Denton Geyer going back and forth for those top two spots probably Prosper slots into the number three seed and then it's a it's a coin flip between Braswell McKinney Boyd maybe if Little Elm catches a couple breaks, they could work their way into the mix. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, there's a chance that whether it's one team maybe playing for a playoff spot or just a simple playoff eliminator, something is likely to be on the line on November 27th against uh, at McKinney ISD Stadium between Boyd and McKinney. Um, what was another game that came to your mind as far as a uh, rivalry game to look forward to? Um, I'm going to stick in the Frisco ISD. I mean, these... Oh, all Frisco today. I love Frisco. I mean, I'm actually going up there today for a volleyball match, so I gotta, I'm sticking with Frisco today. Okay. Um, um 
One that's uh, it's going to be renewed this year is going to be Frisco Reedy against Wakeland. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the success that Frisco Reedy had the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, they're in the state quarterfinals right there. And then, um, obviously, Wakeland's always a playoff contender under Marty Secord over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And, obviously, these two teams have actually played in 2016 and 2017. Okay. And both of them are really close games. And uh, Wakeland won 19-14 and 16. And then the following year, Reedy won 35-28. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, you know... If you, you know, it's it's going to be a few years back, but those, you know, the coaches are going to remind them how close those games were. So by the time that the week comes up for those games right there, I'm pretty sure the kids are going to be fired up. Mm-hmm. Over in District uh, District 6-6A, the Louisville ISD, Plano ISD, Capel District, that same day as the Crosstown Showdown, I believe November 27th, that is also when, at least in my opinion, when the marquee game on the District uh, 6-6A schedule takes place, and that is the annual Battle of the Axe. They actually play for a trophy in this one, but Louisville versus Marcus, um, you know, a, uh, one of the uh, most storied rivalries in all of Louisville ISD athletics. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, if these two teams, if they live up to the expectations that, uh, you know, we've kind of you know set for them as far as where they stack up in the, uh, in the 6-6A pecking order, if their talent plays to its paper, I think this is a chance to be a really, really exciting game. I mean, last year's game itself was one of the most entertaining games on the district schedule. Um, Marcus was able to gut it out in overtime, a 48-42 to shootout. And then you, you, just, you look at the talent on the field that both teams have coming back, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You've got, you know, perhaps the two best quarterbacks in the district, the reigning district MVP, uh, Garrett Nussmeyer, committed to LSU. Yep. Over at Marcus on Louisville, they've got Taylor Green, committed to Boise State. Um, and then just, I mean, just the, the talent that they have surrounding them. I mean, Louisville has maybe the best one-two punch at wide receiver in the district with Armani Winfield. He's got a laundry list of FBS offers. Isaiah Stevens had an awesome season last year as a junior. They got Damian Martinez, the reigning district uh, offensive newcomer of the year back yep. at running back. He's only going to be a junior. And then with Marcus, I mean, it's um, with Nussmeyer, you have to obviously mention J. Michael Sturdivant, who we thought last week could potentially lead our entire coverage area in receiving yardage. He's committed to Cal. Dallas Dudley's another great receiver. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much skill position talent on the field. So I could very well see a scenario where they match that uh, that shootout from last season and get another 90-point game. And, yeah, I mean, much like McKinney and McKinney-Boyd, the fact that this game is happening in the second-to-last week of the season, I mean, again, we'll see. I guess this district's going to be pretty up and down. It's going to be pretty competitive. But there stands to reason that the district title could very well be on the line if these two teams play to their paper up to that point. So, yeah, the Battle of the Axe could be potentially one of the more anticipated iterations of that rivalry um, in some time. Uh, did you have any others, or do we want to move on to the next question? Well, um, you're sticking with District 66A. I mean, Capel against Marcus. Sure, why that, not? That was an overtime game last year as well, too. Yeah. I mean, not uh, close to being that high-scoring game. It was only a 15-7 to 7 game last year, but, I mean, both of these teams, they got two good wide receivers. You know, they got, obviously, Nussmeyer, you know, his LSU pledge, but Ryan Walker, <laughs> excuse me, Mm-hmm. He's coming back for his uh, first full year as a starter. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, he, he threw for less than 2,000 yards last year, but, you know, he threw, got thrown into, yeah, like, an injury situation yeah, he, last he year. He did begin and, the year as the starter, and he was kind of up and down as far as who was going to play, whether it was him or Kevin Schumann. So. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, you get, like, a whole offseason with him now, and, and you know, with uh, Anthony Black's talents and, obviously, um, KJ Liggins coming back to Capel, who has five Division One offers right there. Yeah. I mean, look at it. That could, that could be a heck of a game mm-hmm. right there. 
Let's see. Let's um, let's pivot to so in the last few weeks, obviously we've done some statistical questions talking about who's going to be our leading the pass, the leading passer in our coverage area, leading rusher, leading receiver. We're going to go to the other side of the ball and talk about an entire unit. We're going to talk about which teams do we foresee having the best defenses in our coverage area this season. Um, I, I had a, I had a few that came to mind. We can get, just kind of go back and forth. Sure. Allen always works its way into this discussion. And even though, I mean, at the start of the season, um, you're left with more questions about Allen's defense than perhaps any individual positional, any individual uh, defense than any that we, uh, you know, that we cover and whatnot, just because it feels like every year they're having to replace a massive senior class. And it's just at this, at this point, you just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt because they've shown that they can reload as seamlessly as anybody in the, uh, in the state when it comes to that. And this season is no different. They graduated 10 defensive starters from last season. I I believe nine of them made the all district team. So some pretty awesome players that they Elijah had to play with. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, um, so I mean, it's just the, the it's just business as usual, though. I mean, again, like they, because one of the things that Allen has in its favor every year is because of the nature of their games. Them, some of their games tend to be pretty lopsided more times than not. Yep. So it gives those backups a lot of opportunities to get some reps there in the second half. And I mean, by the end of the year, you, you've got backups that have already played a ton of reps. Allen already rotates their you know their defensive linemen. They sub in a ton throughout the uh, just throughout normal games itself. So I mean, a lot of these backups are not going to be unfamiliar with what it's like to you know. To play, you know, high leverage varsity snaps. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, while they have just one returning starter in general, I believe Cade Patton over in the in the secondary, I mean, there's still a, uh, a lot of talent that there's, um, you know, to be encouraged by. Um, so, yeah, and yeah, just kind of looking at their uh, at their track record, I mean, guys like, you know, some of the guys that could potentially step up and take on new roles, um, you know, Isaiah Hullum, who actually was injured for actually a lot of his junior season. He's expected to be a standout on the defensive line. You know, you look in the linebacking core with, uh, with Levi Tupo, who's had a couple brothers come through the program, really, really quality, uh, quality genes there at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, Link Smith, um, you know Alexander Green in the secondary. He's got some college interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marshall Toussaint. I mean, there's, um, you know, it's it's Allen and the expectations that they're going to be pretty solid on that side of the ball. So, um, yeah, I just, yeah, again, you just kind of give them the benefit of the doubt at this point because they've shown that they can reload as seamlessly as any program in the uh, in the state when it comes to that. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged to see what Allen can do on defense. Plus, they always they always tend to start the year like. Like, like in midseason form, it's it's jarring. Like because you begin the year with like, okay, Allen's got to replace this and that, this and that on defense, and then you get to that opener, and then they come out just guns blazing. There's mm-hmm. no, they don't miss a step whatsoever. It's nope. so impressive how they continuously do that despite having to reload year in year out. Um, let's see, how about you? Where was uh, what was one defense that stuck out to you? Well, it's going to be within their same district out there. I actually chose Prosper. Okay, um, Prosper um, that. Uh, I know this is based on last year, but they held nine opponents under 20 points last year. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, they, they're, they're losing like uh, five defensive starters last year, but they returned six out of the three, four defense. Yeah. Um, and it uh, looks like the strength of this team is going to be like, you know, in the front seven right there. Yeah. Their front seven's loaded. Yeah. I mean, uh, linebacker Aiden Siano, is that his name? Yes. Okay. I mean, 138 tackles last year, 13 tackles mm-hmm. for loss, five sacks, four interceptions right there. I mean, just a stud right there, linebacker. Yeah. And and uh, Herman Lee right there as well, too. He, he had six tackles for loss and four interceptions last year. And um, uh, James uh, Ekro. Ekro, yep, on the yep, defensive yep, line. Yep. Defensive line, yep. Um, five sacks, t- 16 tackles for loss. So, I mean, you know, good luck trying to run on that that team right mm-hmm. there. So, um, you know, just based on that and the – 
the continuity that they're going to have up front right there, that's going to be a tough team to match up from mm-hmm. against in the trenches. I think John Paul II is also a team to watch out for on defense. John Paul was obviously one of the more impressive stories last season with them having the uh, you know the best season in program history, advancing to this Tab State Championship game, and it really kind of like they they were able to check off a number of milestones throughout the year, you know, snapping their uh, their long district losing streak and whatnot, and then in the playoffs they had this performance, I believe, in the second round against Fort Worth Nolan that was kind of the coming out party and like the holy crap okay this team's gone up a level moment and I want to say it was something like 41 to 18 I don't have the score in front of me but it Mm -hmm. was I mean it was a surprisingly lopsided performance but I was most impressed though with the work that they did on defense because Nolan has one of the best running backs in the entire state in Emeka Megua and it just felt like John Paul's defense really had um, I mean yeah they just allowed no next to no room for him or anybody on that offense to do anything of substance and yeah I mean you look at all the talent that they have coming back I mean it was such a young defense last season and they still were able to accomplish all that they did and now all those guys are a year older a year more experienced guys like Terrence Brooks Cameron Robertson Braxton Myers Charles Daniels all of whom are most likely going to be playing at the division one level in college I mean it is just in a who's who of just talented defensive players on that side of the ball and you know with the offense you know I mean the offense had its its loss as a quarterback and receiver with some you know some late offseason transfers and whatnot so that side of the ball is probably still going to be trying to kind of find its footing early in the year so really expect uh, John Paul to have to lean on that defense and yeah like I said they are just their talent is just absurd on that side of the ball this season um, I also think Frisco Lone Star as we were just talking kind of in that same vein as Allen as far as a team that you know that lost the majority of its starters but their pedigree and their track record suggests that um, they should be all right I mean Frisco Lone Star last year was I mean one of the best defenses in the state they allowed less than 16 points per game and now granted they returned just five starters from last season um, you know they graduated a handful of you know of guys that are you know went on to play division one football but you look at that linebacking core especially right there in the center and they are just I mean stocked with talent I mean Alessio Rusalio was I think he made our earlier team last year's maybe a second team selection but he was in the mix for defensive player of the year a first team selection I mean he had just an outstanding season you know obviously Jalen Ford was kind of the anchor of that defense there in the middle um, you know but he's since moved on to college but Rusalio's kind of set up to kind of be the heir apparent there at linebacker. Uh, Blake Gocher was an all-district selection. Ashton Jonti was the was the newcomer of the year in that district last season. Um, they've just they've got so much talent there on defense. And again, it feels like every year when we have our all area. All our, our all area voting, and we're having to talk, you know, top assistant coaches in the area. It feels like Brian Murphy when you see her. Darren Kite, the defensive coordinator at Lone Star, always comes up, always given consideration. I believe he's actually been the recipient of our assistant coach of the year award twice. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those one of those uh, units that you just kind of trust. They'll they'll figure out a way to slot guys in that make it work. Um, let's see, any other defenses that come to mind for you? Uh, I'm going to say Capel's defense. Okay. I mean, I know they got a good linebacker. Like uh, Walker Polk. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was, he's, he's started since he was a freshman yeah, and he was unanimous, you know, first team all district. Speaking last of year. Which I think he was an all area selection of ours back as a freshman. So yeah, he's, he's quite the, uh, quite he, the real deal back there. Yeah. I've, I've even walked up to him, you know, I'm, I'm new here and I'm meeting everybody. And like, just even when I see him on the baseball field, this kid looks like a linebacker yeah. out there with how, with the way he's built. Mm-hmm. So, I um, mean, obviously they got a, you know, pretty experienced secondary coming back there too. Um, you know, they got a, 
you know, kind of figure out the defensive line situation a little bit. But, mm-hmm. I mean, the back seven right there, you know, they're, they're going to have a good unit back there. Okay. Last one that I, that I, uh, that I put down, um, kind of sticking with Frisco ISD. Um, Reedy. Keep an eye on Reedy's defense this season as they're making the move from Division Two to Division One. obviously in a much, much tougher district. And yes. you know, making the playoffs is going to be no easy feat. But they do have a defense that returns seven starters. They were solid last year, just around 23 points per game allowed. Mm-hmm. They did have a big loss in the middle with a Will Harbor, who just did everything for them. I mean, literally everything. He was a Wildcat quarterback. He was a linebacker. He handled special teams work as far as kicking goes. I mean, again, he was, you can't replace a talent like that who covers, who checks so many boxes for a team. Nope. But they still do have some capable guys there, especially in the middle where Harbor, uh, you know, where Harbor last resided with Michael Swope, Brock Wolland. Um, they should be solid up front with Brooks Griffith, Hudson Halbert. You have Ryan Jones back. He's an all district safety. Um, you know, head coach Chad Cole really likes the foundation there um, as far as what they're building defensively. He thinks he has a chance to kind of get back to just the uh, kind of the the rhythm they had, you know, a couple seasons prior when they had that, you know, that historic run to, I believe, the third, fourth round best season in program history, you know, really likes just kind of the chemistry and just the vibe of the defense right now. So that's a team that's kind of on my radar on the defensive side of the ball as well. Okay. Let's, all right, so let's talk a couple questions now. We're going to shift and talk a little bit of uh, some stuff related to the pandemic. And Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, these are going to be a couple doomsday questions. <laughs> uh, no, nobody wants to hear this because these are um, these are a couple questions that um, you know people are going to have to brace for these throughout the season because especially as we wade deeper into this, you know, obviously there's plenty of you know there's plenty of question marks that come with playing a season during a global pandemic as is. But you know, obviously everybody has been bracing for things like later on in the year. What happens if games start getting canceled? Because you've already seen this, you know, with the smaller classifications, even though the overwhelming majority of them are getting played each week. It feels like, what, like 90, 95% of the games are getting played. There are still a handful, though, that are slipping through the cracks because one campus has, you know, a bit of a a bit of a COVID problem and the other schools just not, you know, not comfortable playing and whatnot. So yeah. you've, you've already had some games fall through the cracks. So... You know, I guess right now, so what is, from what you've at least heard from your districts, especially once we get into district play, because that's when, you know, it's really, you know, it takes Important. on an extra, an extra, you know, sense of gravity when you actually have district games that are getting canceled. Sure. What happens if these district games start falling through the cracks there? Well, what happens is that each uh, district's going to fall back on some policies that they voted on right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually in contact with uh, Coach Young, Michael Young from Lake Dallas, and uh, you know he f- uh, sent me an email uh, today just uh, regarding some of the the changes that have been made. And um, they've even talked about like what happens if there's even a statewide you know shutdown from this pandemic right yeah. here. Um, so one thing that he mentioned in his email is that uh, in case there's a, a shutdown right there. They're going to do everything they can to resume play at the next available date, you know, whether that means, you know, one week or two weeks or three weeks um, until the time district certification comes around. Mm-hmm. Um, and whenever those uh, whenever they do resume, you know, God forbid that ever happens, you know, where everything's completely shut down. I mean, I, I want everybody to play every week. I mean, so do these kids right here. For sure. Um uh, what happened? Will, what, what will happen if that's the case? They're going to play every five days until like that schedule is completely made up right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
There was um, – because, yeah, all, all these decisions are left up to the district executive committees. There's yes. no one policy that was handed down by the OIL on what to do. Now, so 66A, you were discussing with me uh, before the podcast started. Yeah, it's going to kind of be a you know a case-by-case scenario as far as each district's procedures, as far as what to do in the event that district games are canceled. Yep. In the case of District 66A, which we mentioned earlier, just as an example again. Um, so it, let's just say that you have a case where – let's say we're down to like the second to last week of the season or whatever. you got two teams that are tied three and three in the district standings. Let's say it's, you know, Louisville and Marcus, who we just mentioned earlier, could be playing for the district title. Well, let's say that game doesn't happen. Let's say that, the uh, again, the, the pandemic rears its ugly head and that game falls through the cracks. One of the schools has to, uh, you know, I don't want to say forfeit because, I mean, they're unable to play or whatnot. So, I mean, like, first off, I think one of the consistent lines of logic is that if teams have to forfeit from what, at least from what I've been hearing, is that it's not going to count against their record, okay? So you're going to have to then fall back on some sort of tiebreaker, though. Um, you know, and I guess in the example of 6-6-A, if you have two teams that are tied and you have a game, they're not able to settle it head-to-head, which is obviously the first tiebreaker that you go to when deciding how to snap a tiebreaker, it would simply then be you would look at a point differential based on common opponents mm-hmm. is something that could, you know, obviously play into how the uh, how teams like in 6-6-A or potentially a different district, district how they settle a tiebreaker that is impacted by the uh, by the pandemic. Because um, that's the thing. Like, you just every – t- every district is bracing for the possibility that this might happen. You know, you had some that have just completely had to revamp the the structure and alignment of their district schedule. Um, you know, with that, uh, within District 66A, it sounds like at their meeting, there were kind of some contrasting schools of thought as to how to approach structuring the district schedule. But ultimately, they decided that, you know, just for the sake of, you know, these kids and everybody has worked so hard to get to this point, let's reward them with trying to get on a full 10-game schedule mm-hmm. and just do what we can there. And, um, and yeah, they'll just have to kind of cross the bridges as they, uh, as they come because... I don't know. I don't know what your expectations are as far as how seamless a, uh, a road this is going to be, if there's going to be any bumps, if they have to invoke any of these tiebreakers at any point. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of going to kind of be on pins and needles as we get deeper and deeper into the season um, as far as just what's going to happen as far as the actual makeup of these districts if you do have to start, um, you know, canceling games and whatnot. So yeah, that leads then to have a nice segue then to the last question because this is I think at the uh, at the end of the day just the the albatross that's kind of hanging over this whole thing this season. Um, you know, as uh, as we get further and further into this, as we try to make it through a uh, the pandemic season, will the 2020 football season be completed? That is the big question. <laughs> that is the big elephant in the room right there. Uh um, We've been, I mean, My, I think back to, I mean, back to when this first started and we were having discussions on how long we thought this would all last, how long we thought the, you know, the ramifications with regards to high school sports would last. And, you know, we're still at a point where I don't think anyone really knows the answer. And that's the thing. No. It's, and it's such a, a fool's errand to pin yourself down on one side of the fence versus the other. But I mean, at the end of the day, just off of just, mm. I don't know, just from where you've, what you've been able to kind of the information you've been able to gather just over the over the months during this pandemic, what we know about where this thing could be going, what do you think the chances are that we actually get to the end of the road and are able to crown state championships and all that and all that good stuff? No pressure on this question at all whatsoever, right? Not at all. Um, <laughs> well, um, for me, I'm, try- I'm one of those people who tries to put myself in other people's shoes right here. Okay. And for me, I'm trying to put myself in the UIL shoes right here. Mm-hmm. And like... Number one, high schools, their football is their big money maker out right there. Absolutely. And whenever you look at it, like think about how many people would 
like the state championships draw. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I was looking just online right now, and last year for the Duncanville North Galena, uh, the Galena Park North Shore. Yeah, yeah. that game drew almost forty eight thousand fans. Oh yeah. So um, I don't know if it's going to draw forty eight thousand fans this year because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like hopefully the pandemic is over yeah. with by that time. Um, but I mean, high school football is way too important. Um, I think they're going to try to do everything possible to make sure there's a season, even if it goes into sometime next year. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, number one, they realize how important it is to some of these players right there. You know, Absolutely. they they work so hard for this moment right here to be on the stage at AT&T Stadium right there. Um, and they've already given guidance about, you know, how to handle the situation, you know, as far as social distancing, as far as like the scheduling of the season right there. So I even if there's going to be some bumps along the road right here, even if there's going to be some canceled games or postponed games, I think I think there's going to be a season. I think it's, it might be stretched out a little bit longer than what they're anticipating, mm-hmm. but I, I think they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that they're, we're going to have a full season. Because I believe as of now, the state championships would take place in early to mid-January, I think is what I recall seeing yes. uh, the projected date for. Because that's, uh, you know, that's kind of the million-dollar question is, you know, so we just talked about for um, – you know, for uh, what happens if district games get canceled and how mm-hmm. do you, I mean, and right now early on in the preseason, it's pretty simple because, you know, if you have a team that loses a non-district game, odds are there's probably another team within a respectable driving distance that's going through the same thing. So you've had some teams where you have one game fall through and then 12 hours later, you got a brand new opponent set up. Mm-hmm. So it's all fine and well in non-district. And again, you're going to have to probably, you know, you might have to invoke some tiebreakers or some really unorthodox procedures as far as getting your four playoff teams if you have district games that get canceled. But you're not going to be afforded that in the playoffs because no. you can't call upon a tiebreaker to determine who advances in a playoff matchup. Um, and that's kind of the, you know, that's going to kind of be the the bumpy road that you have to walk now is can you make it six weeks? You know, there's six rounds of the playoffs in high school football. Can you make it six weeks with out any issues? Like what happens if you get to the state quarterfinals and you have a team that – you know, has an outbreak or whatever, or just something panda or something virus related. And they've got a, I mean, you would hate to imagine a scenario. You have a team that gets that far, that close, and they have to bow out because of the pandemic and whatnot. So I don't know. I mean, it's, like I said, it's impossible because also like we kind of don't know what's going to happen in a few months when, uh, you know, when flu season hits and mm-hmm. that's kind of been that's from what I've just based on what you've been hearing as far as, you know, from health experts, as far as kind of the next big hurdle that we're all going to have to cross as a, as a country. And that's how much are the, cause it does feel like the numbers are starting to kind of trend down. You know, I'm not seeing the updates as, you know, every day as frequently on social media as I had been, but it does sound like the general vibe is that the, you know, the case numbers are, are down from what they used to be. Um, but what happens when flu season hits? And that's, I mean, that's something that can last for, I mean, months, you know, mm-hmm. three, four months from November on into February and whatnot. So how's that going to impact things? I mean, is that going to, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's so tough to pin down because again, we don't know what the ramifications are right now. We don't know. Maybe it, everything does go smooth. Everything is, it is smooth sailing and we get through this unscathed and teams are resourceful enough and smart enough. And they're able to take the necessary steps to, you know, minimize if you have a kid here and there that comes down with the virus, you can get it, you know, him isolated and whatnot and not mm-hmm. have to worry about, you know, an entire outbreak within the team and what, and all that. But it's, um, I don't know. I just think that the, the prospect of going an entire post, 
season without any hiccups. That just seems a tad optimistic. But you did mention the prospect of them being able to move it back. But at some point, though, you reach a point of no return because eventually it's going to start, you know, if you push it back too far, it's then going to start overlapping with other sports and all that. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it could it could lead to a you know, pretty chaotic scenario if it, you know, if we don't get a resolution too soon. But um, I don't know. I just, uh, part of me is a little like, I want to believe the best. I want to, obviously, I hope everybody's able to get through their entire seasons unscathed and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. you know, part of me is just kind of thinking like, okay, well, what are the, what are the odds that we get through a full six week stretch right in the middle of flu season without any issues? And that just, it seems a tad optimistic. And unfortunately, you know, high school sports, like the, like the pros, you can't enact a bubble situation at no, all. No, you can't. So, um, but yeah, again, like I don't pin myself down on one side of the fence or the other, because as we've learned, you know, just in reporting about this, you know, since, um, since everything kind of ramped up back in March, I mean that everything is so fluid and ever evolving mm-hmm. and the story can change, you know, on a whim. So who knows? I mean, it's again, like nobody knows for certain. So obviously, you know, we're not any sort of like any sort of high authority when it comes to dictating whether or not high school football season takes place. It's just a hunch, nothing more than that. I would say that, you know, like, how long has this pandemic gone on since March? Yeah. You know, it's it's already been six months yeah. at, at first. <laughs> it is crazy, though, when you just think, like, in hindsight, how long? Yeah, it's we've been doing all this stuff for half a year. Half a year. And, and that, leads to, that leads to, like, maybe one positive out of this situation is that, you know, we're learning how to deal with this virus. We're learning how to live with mm-hmm. it. And obviously, number one, the cases have gone down quite a bit. And obviously, you know, like, people have got, come to the realization, like, you know, like, like, this is what we got to do to protect ourselves to make sure we don't get the virus, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, you know, wear a mask, you know, make sure you're washing your hands as much as possible. Oh, yeah. Like I said, it should all be second nature by this point. You yeah. Do anything for six straight months, it should be second nature. So, yeah, fingers crossed that it doesn't impede the progress of high school football season too much. We'll find out because it all it all fires up next week as far as the uh, the big ones, the big schools and whatnot. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. We are almost there at the uh, and out of the starting. You excited, Matt? I am. It's just just to see how it goes. It's gonna. This is the most unique, unorthodox season and just for just for general high school sports coverage that I think either of us will end up going through. So I'm just fascinated just to be along for the ride and see just what happens. And, and we're very fortunate that, you know, the, the all these schools and the IOL still giving us access to these stadiums right mm-hmm. here and being able to allow those to capture it firsthand. Yeah. And obviously, you know, it's good that they're also allowing the fans just in case like they're still worried about going to a stadium that they're able to watch it online. So yeah. that, that's that's obviously a good thing. Absolutely. So, um, so yes, that is uh, at least four more questions on the docket in our penultimate episode of our ongoing high school football season preview. Four to go. We got one more episode left and we'll be back next week um, and we will uh, we will close things out and yeah man we are uh, we are almost there. So yes that'll be it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. I uh, appreciate you for checking this out. Like I said we'll be back next week probably on Monday but nevertheless folks until then you take care. We will talk to y'all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than starlocaljobs.com Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, 
Our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.